you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Has the best rated mock draft. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined in a room filled with some heroes Patrick Claibon, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Claibon, he's our, util- he's our utility guy. It's around the. Oh, what, what, what a baby. slight just to start. It's not more than not that. Not a slight, a utility guy. Um, in baseball, if you have a really jack-of-all-trades type talent, that makes your roster so much better, and it's an unsung hero of any championship squad, Wes. I back you 100% on this. It sounds like a bad term. That's fair. But in reality, you're not winning championships without a, a super utility guy who can plug a lot of different positions I mean, and if, come through. If I was trying to pump myself up, it, I was kind of a utility guy for the, the Shield a year ago. Absolutely. Big and, integral. And who was celebrating at the end of that season? Yeah. The Shield. Well, I, it, when we win the podcast championship, <laughs> you know, just, uh, you know, let me be in the orbit. Like when you guys are jumping up and down on the mound, I, like I'll be that guy that's high-fiving <laughs> you know, the security that's down true. the foul line. Hey, I was. You're allowed yeah. on the field. Kinda. This is our um, it's a, tr- a, tr- a tradition uh, after the draft are around the AFC and around the NFC episodes and Claybon, not his first rodeo here. If one of us is out of the studio, we can plug Patrick right in plug and play guy. Now we're going to switch to football <laughs> plug and play and who next man up. Everyone loves plug and play. That's what you look for. A plug and play guy. Well, He's been sharpening his iron against other men's iron for a lot of years. <laughs> what else we got? Plus, he's so joining. Uh, he could join us for our up to the minute hits, uh, which we might do on Wednesday and Thursday. It might be a little pre-tape, a mm. little peek behind the curtain. Tune into that. You don't have to tell him it's a pre-tape. <laughs> well, they would maybe somehow put it together. So Claybon's here. There was a hint That's that true. one time where I was here, and then we did the show, and I was also hosting the show. Yeah, that's next level. And so that was that was fun. meta. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so Claybon's here in the Mark Sessler chair. Mark is wandering Los Angeles somewhere. I hope he's safe. And I hope he's watching out for trains. That's a little call forward. <laughs> keep, a, keep an eye out on Mark's been watching that. out for trains for like 25 years now. Hopping on them occasionally. Yeah, <laughs> little nail soup. Um, so, yes, yeah, so the draft is in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Free agency is in the rearview mirror. We have some off-season workouts to come, mini, mandi- mandatory mini camps, then the summer break, and then training camp. Listen, it's just, it never stops. <laughs> but after the draft comes a, a chance to reset things and take a look at where these teams are. And that's why we picked this time of year, this time of year, and also right before week one, Greg, to do the around the AFC and around the NFC, around all of these teams get an idea of what's going on, where we think they are right now. Some of my favorite shows of the year. I like, I like stopwatches. Like I like mm-hmm. the timed element. I like the fact that every team gets covered. So Jaguars fans, hey, not a lot of pop lately. Mm-hmm. We got you covered. 
And this is a studio that's um, prone to bloviating. But guess what? <laughs> when the clock is when the clock strikes zero, three minutes on every team, what happens, Ricky Hollywood? And that, that doesn't mean celebrate or party or fist pump. Not to mention this is this will be the first episode in months where we don't spend at least ten minutes on Dave Gettleman and the Giants. So that's that's True. like a positive. Well, we think that he could find his <laughs> way. There's always the a mix. chance, uh, uh, for sure. All right, do we want to do it? We want to dig right in, please. Starting. All right, Patrick, are you ready? I'm ready. Do we want the takeaway at the top or at the end? You at the top. I, you spin it however you want to spin okay. it. Okay. I, for me personally, and I'm just going to say, I will build to my kind of takeaway. Okay. But you feel free to take it. It is your three minutes. Well, really, it's your, you know, 30-second preamble. 30 preamble, 45-second preamble. So, and you're going to start. Yeah, which is different for the utility guy, bad and leadoff. But yeah, nice. I'm all about it, baby. There we go. We get that money. Plug and play, utility guy. What else we got? Six man of the year. <laughs> Another sport. Give us something hockey. I don't know. All right, Ricky. Are we ready? You, you're on the clock. Important role for Erica too. <sighs> got some butterflies here. She sounds confident. All right. All right. All right here we go. When I when I say <laughs> around the AFC in 48 minutes, and then I'll say go. That's when you start, Patrick, and that's when the clock starts. <laughs> okay. All right. It is time to go around the AFC. Go. The Tennessee Titans. When I look mm. at the Tennessee Titans, oh, I wait, see a team. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You oh. chose an order of your own making. <laughs> Why? No. No. That was no. a false start. You don't have the utility guy at the top of the order. You're going to be demoted to seventh in the batting order. <laughs> ah! Like, take a few pitches, Clayvon. Let us, let's see Come on, Jose Peraza. Like. We want to see the starter. Let the guy in the lead, in the on deck circle <laughs> get used to the action here. We're going to start with the AFC East. And I could have made that more oh. clear. I well, certainly could have. But that's kind of tradition as well. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Around the AFC in 48 minutes starts now. Go. It's new. It's a new day in Miami. The Dolphins have a plan, and I see Christian Wilkins going to them in the first round, and then, of course, nobody's paying attention to that because everybody's wondering what the quarterback situation is going to be. They are able to use a pick in the second round to trade with New Orleans, get a second rounder back. They just moved back, so they they still have their two. They have 13 picks next year in the 2020 draft, which everybody was all excited for. And now they have Josh Rosen, and now they have a future. And I'm sorry, my takeaway to the Dolphins fans, who were so all about tanking, Mm. the Miami Dolphins are trying now, and I'm glad, because tanking sucks. That's Hmm. my takeaway. I never really believed that they were tanking in the the same kind of full-throated, totally committed way that the Ah! media seems to believe that they were. Like, I believe, yeah, they're stripping down and they're they're trying to play for the future. But I even think the front office and the coaching staff is trying to win games right now. Like, what are the moves that they made that are really trying to lose? They're just trying to be smarter than they were before and get rid of the old mistakes that they had. Looks to me like they backed into not tanking. Right. They plan to tank as much as any NFL team can tank. It's not the NBA. You can't really tank in the NFL like you can in the NBA. Right. It doesn't even help but that then, much. But then the Cardinals came calling with like, yeah, we'll give you Josh Rosen for a deep, deep discount. And they're like, maybe we won't tank after all. Mm. Rosen is... Rosen fits with tanking, though. I mean, not tank... I don't... There is no tanking well, in the NFL. There's playing for the future and setting yourself up as best as you can for 2020. Well, he's the and fascinating... Rosen is that. He's the fascinating part of this now. Because I think they were on the track to 3-13. and 13, And perhaps they still go 3-13. and 13. But... If Josh Rosen signs, shows signs that he can be the guy and he's under contract for three years, and I think six million total, which is great. That is a great spot for the team to evaluate him. Uh, but he's really going to have Rosen will have a challenge. He's got to knock the socks off the Dolphins to not use a high pick on a quarterback. I think the, the takeaway that I got from so many fans was we've been in purgatory for so long and we've been decent and halfway decent. The only way to make this work is to tear it all up, and you, you have all of these fancy names like something ball and all this other ball. But it, it all, ball, it all equates to tanking. If losing is the goal and it helps you accomplish what you want, then you're tanking. Yes, and I agree I'm with glad you. with the new coach that they're not tanking because we saw the Cardinals do it last year. We saw no plan. It didn't work out. Everybody got fired. We saw the Jets try to do it with Todd Bowles. He messed around and won too many games. 
almost messed up the bag. Yeah, lucky. They were able to get Sam Darnold. It all worked out. I, I don't want to see this with another coaching staff and another team. I, I, think, it's bad. I think they might understand the, that they have to take a step back to and eventually get uh, out of that seven and nine. But if they have a good coaching staff, it's the NFL. It's not the SEC where there's that big of a difference. I mean, I know it's not a great roster, but Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, Laramie Tunsil, Kenyon Drake, like there are worse, there are less talented teams out there. That didn't sway me in any way. <laughs> the Buffalo Bills, Chris Wesley. What an offseason. This is one of my favorite offseasons in the NFL. And the reason why, when I look at all of the teams and what they've done, I think this is your offseason champion in terms of net talent acquisition projected snaps lost and snaps gained wow who have they lost outside of kyle williams who they didn't want to lose i mean he retired but every other person they lost they cut because they didn't want him anymore and they've gained by my count about 20 players Mm. who will make the team uh, probably 10 to 10 to 12 starters that's an aggressive rebuilding of the roster for a team that showed on defense, certainly, and and the quarterback position, Josh Allen, in spurts, that they could be trending in the right direction. Do we tr- we trust management there, you're saying? I trust what they've done in, in that they had one of the most barren rosters in the NFL and were winning games because of good coaching and a pretty good defense. But their offense was incredibly... Um, uh, what's the right word? Spartan? <laughs> yeah. Scattershot? Like their on, quarterback? On the verge of being historically the worst offense in, in the history of professional football. They were able to salvage that late in the season, but they were all-time bad. And, and as you know, Dan said, spurts of I, Josh Allen made things better. I think you see an organization where the GM and the coach are on the same page, and McDermott, if nothing else, I think he has a, a type of player, a type of defense. He has an idea of what he wants. It, it's whether they can do it on offense because they have Brian Dable there who did some okay things. The offensive line looks so much better. I mean, Mitch Morse, Cody Ford, who was a good value in the second round. Quentin Spain was a, a free agent pickup. Ty Nasheki uh, from Washington's had some good moments. Like, that's a whole new offensive line. On paper, it looks pretty good. And. We saw it play out in the top ten of the draft where we knew that the Bills wanted Ed Oliver. So many teams were, were interested in Ed Oliver, but they didn't make the trade, and they traded up in the past. Uh, but they were able to hold steady, saw some turmoil at the top, and the guy that they mm. want falls right to them at, at that ninth pick. So, yeah, but I'd like no pressure. And they needed someone to kind of build the defense around, and maybe he's, he's that talented. I'd like to see how this running back situation shakes out. LaShawn McCoy uh, obviously is right now the starter, but they go and get Devin Singletary in the third round out of Florida Atlantic, who's supposed to be a really good player. You already got TJ Yeldon. You have Frank Gore on the roster. It feels like the other shoe is going to drop there soon. Yeah, I wonder about LaShawn McCoy. He's, he's a big factor if he's on the team. And I know they say they're not cutting him, but he didn't play well enough to keep his job last year. Where is he at this point as a player? Is, is, I think he played pretty well yeah. for much of the season. I actually thought I mean, he was this, he, he was explosive. He had did this, he average 3.2 yards per yeah, carry? Yeah, but when you watched him, I think he looked pretty good. They're, they haven't invented a, an explosive 3.2 yards per carry. I'm sorry. On, on a, on did you see Trent Richardson in the AFF? Horrible. One. The offense was miserable. All right, my New York Jets. Um... Quinn and Williams, they stay put put, and they pick him number three overall in the draft. And it was a safe pick and potentially one that could pay off big time because Williams can really ball. He's not the only Williams, though. So you got Leonard Williams also on this defensive line. He was the sixth overall pick uh, in 2015, I believe. 14 or 15. Uh, Henry Anderson, a guy who was really impressive last year for the team, was a difference maker on their uh, defense. They brought him back. Uh, you also have Steve McClendon there. He's kind of like a hold the fort veteran guy. But you added, especially with the two Williams, and, then, and Greg, you referenced it on our, our draft recap, the new Williams wall, the potential of this Williams wall, this interior defensive line, it could be potentially dominant, dominant and it works on two fronts. Quinnen Williams has this great monster potential. And Leonard Williams, who's been a steady producer for the Jets, but maybe has not reached his full potential. Well, now he's with a real stud next to him. What can that do? And the last thing, Greg, is it gets me excited Mm. because we know it's one of the tropes around Tom Brady. He doesn't like the pressure in his face. Well, now the Jets have a potential uh, to have one of the best internal defensive lines in all of football. And 42-year-old quarterbacks don't like 20-something guys chasing them down and giving them the ruckus. 
And yeah, maybe they can figure out how to, you know, make him hold on to the ball because he gets rid of it so quick and their line is good. But the Jets do get the Patriots twice early in the season. That's the time to place the to play the Patriots. I think they play them twice in the first six weeks. And the Jets do look like a team if they can get the offense on track quick enough. Greg Williams starts fast. Like that's kind of the Greg Williams mo is he his defenses start like a house of fire and then they slowly collapse over time as maybe the message wears off i don't know what it is but that's they, they often Browns did start pretty well that. down the stretch last year last year that's fair that's I'm fair trying to figure out why they didn't add more at cornerback and outside linebacker to this team those are like that and the right side of the offensive line are the three questions i have about the jets i normally have a lot more questions about the jets. yeah they didn't address center and we'll see if that's one of those um pickups that happens in the next month or so uh maurice uh, claiborne who's still out there by the way right claiborne and the, the door is open for him to return potentially so this is by no means a finished product in new york but i'm just talking about i get excited about this defensive line and it would have been nice to have that guy off the edge to go nuts and maybe the third round pick uh, does that for them, but the Williams wall, Patrick Claybon. I like it. I like the Williams wall. There's a lot to be excited about. There's also a lot to be worried about uh, between mm. Greg Williams and Adam Gase, and just the I've embraced that the potential for disaster. <laughs> yeah, I've embraced and, headlock watch. And, and people um, they play up the New York thing as if New York like has different air or people consume calories differently. Uh, but if it's Truth if it goes left. south. It can go Truth south left. anywhere. It, it can go Truth south left. in Jacksonville. It can go south Truth in left. Miami. And, uh, so yeah. We got a trip alert on your Four, Jets. Three, it happens sometimes. Two, you can go more south than one. me. Every, every defensive lineman you draft interviewed after the draft says, I can't wait to sack Tom Brady. 12 and 4. Patriots, go, Greg. <laughs> My big uh, thought and takeaway after this draft is on the side of the ball, no one's talked about all offseason. There's no defensive coordinator, and there's not a lot of juice in the front seven. I'm torn because on one hand, they're coming off arguably the greatest defensive performance in Super Bowl history but by some metrics. But is their secondary good enough to kind of make up for a ho-hum front seven, which lost Trey Flowers. They drafted Juwan Williams in the second round. They love these big corners who can play multiple positions. They have Duke Dawson, who didn't play a snap for them last year, their second round pick. Added to McCourty, Chung, the other McCourty, Stefan Gilmore. It's a great-looking secondary. There's some sort of analytics, you know, talk bubbling up that the way to build the defense is actually the secondary first is more valuable and that you can scheme up pressure uh, and that can be less valuable. I don't know if that's why the Patriots are doing it this way, but they've it's very rare that they've had this little juice in the front seven. Wait, you're worried about the defense on this team? <laughs> I mean, I think they're going to have to have... How are they any worse than last year? Well, that you lost Trey Flowers. You've you got best- Michael Bennett. You got Michael Bennett. Uh, you've got Dante Hottower is a year older. You're bringing Jawan Bentley back, who missed almost all last year. You know... If you're telling me Dietrich Wise, Larry Guy, Mike Bennett, Donta Hightower, and Kyle Van Noy is like an above average front seven, I'm not buying it. It's- so, and what you're painting here is that Trey Flowers is better than Aaron Donald. That's the picture you're painting to me. No, I'm, I'm also, you know, mildly concerned there's not a coach or not many coaches on that side of the ball. Oh, I don't, I think they want to play <laughs> things a little closer to the vest. And they're going to be a little bit more of a running team. You can't surprise. Expect, you can't expect their offense to be nearly as dominant. And by the way, they weren't nearly as dominant a year ago. So you need the defense to be really good. Is the secondary that good? It might be. It actually what, might be the best secondary. Outside of Trey Flowers, what is a concern about this defense? They played really well. Pass this rush, minute. pass rush, and pass and run stopping. Neither of which they were like great throughout much of last season. They finished super strong. You sound like a man whose underpants are so dry. So arid. It's a desert down there, and you don't even know what to complain about. <laughs> well, we've talked so much about the offense all offseason. I just I'm just not buying the sky up. is falling on the Patriots defense. Oh, though. I don't think it's falling. I, I more wanted to introduce the idea. Can you win with like a dominant <laughs> secondary and a ho hum front seven? It is kind of the way the Patriots have Didn't done. They things. just do that. Yeah, that it is. So where would you where would you put the front seven? Like just pure talent. Thirteen. No. Not in the top 20 in pure talent. If you give that defense to a random team I'm not in, in a random game planner, I'm not trusting that front seven. I mean, con- concerns about the Patriots coaching staff is something I would never hear. <laughs> thought I would hear on the show. I'm I not know concerned about saying, the – I'm talking about the pass. Like, who's their best one-on-one seven, pass rusher? Michael six, Bennett. Five. So just four, if he named anybody three, defensive coordinator, you'd feel two, better. Just like a name? One. Just yes. person? I want some <laughs> 
Patrick Claibon kick off the AFC North division. Let's do that with the Baltimore Ravens, a, a team that people now were you got it. concerned about the order. It's all about the order. <laughs> um, in terms of, well, what's the future with, with Joe Flacco? Where are we going to be? And now there's a plan. There's a plan for the Baltimore Ravens, and it seems like speed itself is the plan. Mm. Uh, they're able to get Hollywood Brown in the first round, a guy a lot of people thought was the, the best wide receiver of this group. Uh, he can fly. And they lose Terrell Suggs on the defense. That sucks. Mm. That's, that's not good. This guy has been a big part of the franchise, a cornerstone. So they lose one all-time NCAA sack artist, and they get another in Jalen Ferguson. They're able to get him in the third round. Mm. And uh, Jalen had horrible workouts. I went to his pro day at La Tech. It was bad. He couldn't turn. He gained a lot of weight uh, to try to, you know, prove that he could be a certain thing. It didn't work out. Uh, he couldn't move at all. I, I don't think that that's going to be a problem long term. And for the people who were concerned about Baltimore trying to run triple option and single wing all last year, it's like, oh, what, what can Lamar do? That was something Lamar had never done either. And so he was in his first year in that situation. And they take two wide receivers right off the top. Uh, they get Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame, as well as Hollywood Brown, uh, guys that can move, play at different spots. I, I don't think they're going to be the same team they were it was, last year. It's almost as if, um, and this was Eric DaCosta's like first, this is my show draft. Uh, it was almost a shot at critics. I know it wasn't, but it can. It feels that way that you guys think this Lamar Jackson, he's not somebody that can light things up with the arm and be a big-time passer. Well, this is how much we believe in him. We're going to invest the top of our draft board in giving him weapons to build that part of his game. I mean, if he does develop as a passer – Look out. This guy is going to be legit. They have about, what, 25 years of history in which they're the quintessential black and blue bruising team. And I think it's interesting that they're going with speed now. That you know, Playing on a grass field, that's going to be interesting. One minute. And, I mean, they were a different team a year. I mean, when Lamar Jackson took over, we haven't seen a team quite like that. And I still think they're going to be very run-heavy, but run-heavy – in the way that any one of these guys can take it the distance. That's what stuck out about Boykin, Brown, and then Justice Hill, their fourth-round running back. If you're into the whole spark score thing that Ro <laughs> Roto World loves right about, these guys are all, like, top two percentile spark scores. Boykin, I think, had one of the best combine workouts in history, and Justice Hill wasn't too far behind. Can I, I don't want to blow up the rest of this. Uh, what is Spark score again? I'm seeing this a lot. What it stands for something, but it's, it's basically a, a measure of freakish athleticism. It's essentially a combination of all the different combine athleticism uh, scores into, a into on one Ten, big number. Did nine, you know that Terrell eight, Suggs's sack seven, record six, uh, was five, broken by four, Ferguson? So it's three, not just... I did two, Yeah. Oh, yikes. Okay, we get it. You're nerds. Move on. Spark is an acronym that stands for speed, power, agility, reaction, and quickness. I did not know that. There we go. You learn things. You already know things. <laughs> it reinforces things. Wes, your former love. The Cincinnati Bengals. Mm-hmm. You oh. know about... <laughs> <laughs> Get going. Right. You know about the Dalton scale, but there's also a Dalton mirror. What? Tell us about this. He's the one quarterback who's perfectly reflective of his surrounding talent at all times. Wow. When it's like the best it. in the league, like when John Harbaugh and Bill Bullion said the Bengals had the best roster in the league in 2015, Andy Dalton makes his way to the periphery of the MVP discussion when he's going well. Mm -hmm. um, when the roster is depleted, the entire team and the quarterback is simply an afterthought. And I think you could say their surrounding talent now, if Jonah Williams can stick at left tackle, or if they stick – uh, Glenn at left tackle and put him at right tackle. If he can stick at tackle, this has a chance to be their best offensive roster since 2015. Hmm. Can it approach that level of success, you think? I just think there's too many question marks. The 2015 roster had answers. This one just has a lot of questions. Well, to me, A.J. Green's not a question. Tyler Boyd's not a question. Cordy Glenn at left tackle, if he's healthy... That's it's a, not a question. That's a huge question okay. because he hasn't even played well. That is, but at least it's a talent. Tyler Eifert's a big question. And, and then Mixon, Mixon and Geo, that's not much of a question. This is a pretty locked and loaded, I'm with you, skill position group. Yeah, um, the offensive line is the question. A lot of people, when you see John Ross and his lead up. That's a question. What he's had. Uh, people said, even still, if you put him in this 2019 draft class, he probably he might have been one of the first wide receivers off the board just based on the things that he could do, not just based on speed.
because there's plenty of people that could run. Uh, seen glimpses from Ross, but just the surround, the surroundings, as you mentioned. Around. It, Around. it hasn't worked out. It's no. just a bad situation for other people. And, and did they have a plan to address there that? There are the John Ross like truthers out there that say he can run routes that they saw. That he's an actual receiver and not just a speed merchant. The, the Bengals don't seem minute. part of those truthers, though. They didn't seem this is year three totally in love into, right? with, with keeping him necessarily this offseason. Well, it's just what are they in love with? Mm. Zach Taylor. I mean, the Bengals, yeah. Duke Tobin, <laughs> Chili. Who are they committed to? It seems like they loyalty. Have, they have AJ, and it's just like, well, AJ is so good. Like, what, what do we? I guess we just keep him. They're, I think their defining trademark is loyalty. Their backfield is interesting. Uh, they have Mixon, of course, and Gio Bernard's been there for a while now. They added somebody in the draft in Trayvon Williams. Uh, is everyone safe there? The current cast. I think so. They had to cut Mark Walton, the guy they drafted in the fourth round last year to play running back because he got arrested three times between the end of the season and like the middle of March. You can't do that. I uh, Loyalty is a good word for it. They have more Ten, drafted nine, players on their eight, roster than any seven, team by six, far. There's more five, homegrown guys. Four, I think it was 39. Three, it was like six or seven two, more than any other one. team in the NFL. Andrew Whitworth throws his phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Pittsburgh Steelers. So. All right, Pittsburgh, as we know, did something very un-Pittsburgh-like on draft day. They traded up. They got Devin Bush, a 10th overall. It is their first pick inside the top 10 since who? Troy Palomalo? No. They moved up to get Palomalo. I don't know if that's He might have gone 11th. He wasn't that high, was he? Plaxico Burris. All those years ago. Anyway, um, so Bush, he's supposed to be the Ryan Shazier replacement and God knows they've been looking for that since Shazier went down with that uh, terrible injury. Uh, They've used seven straight first-round picks on defensive players um, elsewhere from that draft. So they turned Antonio Brown into uh, Deontay Johnson, uh, Toledo wide receiver, and a tight end, Zach Gentry. We'll see how that all plays out. It doesn't jump out at you on paper necessarily. But Here's my question. Have the Steelers done enough after last year's disappointment? And disappointment for Pittsburgh is relative because 9-6-1. I'd love to see a 9-6-1 for my team. But with the Steelers, when you miss the playoffs, it's bad. And they were quiet in free agency as usual. They trade their best player. Uh, uh, I ask, is this still an AFC powerhouse? And if that's a fair question, it's the first time you could ask that in quite a long time. Mm. I don't think they're a team that you put it in ink that they're going to make the playoffs. Whereas I think in the last six, seven years, they were that team. I think they're, I I would put them in in pencil so it can be erased. But a guy like Deontay Johnson, I read that the Steelers had a first round grade on him. And I'm sorry, I trust the Steelers wide receiver evaluations over any draft Nick or anyone else in the football community. Mm. The, the loss of Shazier was something that they never were able to recover from. And during this entire run of dominance, it's been this offense carrying things. And as bad as the relationships were on that side of the ball, they still produced, and it was still the defense that was chiefly responsible. I mean, Blake Bortles goes in there, and they score 45 points. Uh, Le'Veon and Ben and Antonio did everything they could, but they couldn't, right. they couldn't overcome a Blake Bortles-led offense. Right. Uh, and so my question is, is Bush enough to get you there? And they've gone so long, as Dan brought up, without picking highly in the draft, if that's if that's enough, the defense is better, but is that enough to overcome the fact that they lose a guy that's potentially going to the Hall of Fame if he didn't make mm. too many writers mad? Um, <laughs> and you know, He's going either way. Yeah, I I hope so. They've yeah. done terrible drafting in the secondary. They feel better about it now. They added Mark Barron, who we haven't talked about at all, but is probably going to start for them. At like, what position? At inside linebacker along with Bush. Um, they... They're, I, to answer your initial question, absolutely they're a contender. I think they were last year. I mean, their last two games of the year, they beat the Patriots and lost by a play against, I said powerhouse. against the Saints. That's, I, I, that's fair. To me, I In would. New Orleans. Yes, I would put them I would put them with the Chiefs five, and the Chargers and the four, Patriots as the teams three, where I'd be surprised if two, they don't make the playoffs. Okay. And Mike Tomlin, this is a big deal for him, too. Let's move on. Next up, Greg, Cleveland Browns. All right. We've talked so much again about the offense on the Browns, and it was a quiet uh, draft for the offense of the Browns. So I just wanted to like look at the defense and think how happy Steve Wilkes might be. I feel like not a lot of Wilkes pop coming off a pretty <laughs> tough season. If if Wilkes can come to get, you know, if Wilkes can coach up this team, and he's been a good defensive coordinator before, like where does this talent level 
match with the rest of the league. Because to me, Miles Garrett, Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, they added uh, you know Greedy Williams in the draft. They four of their first five picks were, were on defense to a group that had Kirksey, that had Denzel Ward, uh, that had a pretty solid secondary, a nice trade they got with Demarius Randall, TJ Carr. Like this is deep. You go up and down, and you don't really see a weakness out of this defense. And to me, there's a real chance that their defense is as good or better than their offense with Baker Mayfield. They're feeling the moment. You can tell that John Dorsey, the Odell Beckham trade, he's feeling the moment. He's got the quarterback. He's got the city behind him. He's got the football world behind him. And now he's trying to get Gerald McCoy, too, for his defense. <laughs> right. That would that would be something else. And I think he would make sense on that team as kind of a one-year. That, like, if I was trying to find some sort of weakness here, I don't know. I guess their safeties and maybe their secondary is not offensive line. Great. Oh, you're talking about just on. Yeah, defense. yeah, just on defense. You're right. Greg Will- Greg Robinson starting at left tackle stands out. I agree. I think the biggest challenge, and this is not insignificant, uh, will be expectations and what and what's going to be expected of a team that for years and years was a total laughing stock, and even last year. Um, entering the season, you know, hard knocks and all that. They were people were still laughing at the Browns. This is this will be a totally different experience. Uh, and Freddie Kitchens, I think, is a, a huge piece of this too. How does he handle it in his first year? But I agree with all you guys. This is, this is such a good roster, and everything's pointing in a very positive direction. The, the Browns, but it's a new coaching staff. Even though Kitchens is there, it's a re- it's a reminder. It is a new coaching staff. The offense. I mean, you got they added Todd Monken to. To Freddie Kitchens, to me, that's a huge win. It, it, Defensive coaching staff, who knows? And perhaps that might be it. it, it at a certain point, you have a lot of chefs. Uh, and mm. you got some really good ingredients. Well, that was the last. That was the problem with the last regime. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that, that was a lot of chefs like trying to use the same knife, trying to poison each other. <laughs> but there's um, a couple of them successful. Um, w- I see a team that, on the topic of expectations, these guys are expected to win individually. Um, from Odell to Miles to like a lot of guys across the board, one-on-one situations, you expect them to win. And so I, I don't think expectations are a problem. It's just how they're going to execute and, and what the Ten, results might be nine, uh, when they do. Eight, and seven, whose fault is it going to be? No one's fault because they're going to win. Four, whose credit are they getting? Three. Right. And how, much, gets how, much, for how much is better Baker going to be? This I is mean, Colleen Wolf, and I endorse that statement. Now move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, let's pause. You got nobody sees the Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr. friendship fallout that's coming over targets. Nobody sees it, but it's coming. Mark my words. All right. Well, you see it. It's then. coming. How, how does that? Okay. I don't know. All right. I am right currently marking your words. Mark the words. <laughs> it will get awkward. They're not going to like each other anymore. No, they're going to hate each other, <laughs> and it will tear the locker room apart. Um, wow. I want to talk about something serious, though, guys. Uh, uh, you know, a little pause here. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you can feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. Now, I want a show of hands here and including Erica behind the glass. Has anyone done that? The gates down, the train, you know, acceptable time for the gate down train. 30 seconds for me. You start going past that, you hit the minute mark. I'm sitting there like, you know, this is my time you're messing with here. Who's done it? Be honest. Done what? No. I just said you go, you drive through the around the gate because you oh, can't around wait for the, the train. Around it? Around the A lot the of times there's not even, at least the ones I'm thinking of that I go through daily, you can't even get around I mean, those things. I've made a lot of bad decisions <laughs> in my life. Incredible string of bad decisions all throughout my 20s and 30s. But not once was I tempted to gamble on a train. Smart, Wes, no. because that's a bad thing to do. Trains are going a lot faster than you expect them to be. They can't stop. Did you know, Patrick, did you know that when the, when the conductor... Hits the brakes on a train. Takes how long to stop? Give me a distance. Days. Well, I mean, <laughs> three miles. Like Eighteen hundred. It takes a mile, bro. Straight up. Wow. Whoa. That's a long way. It's intimidating. Anyway, so don't do it. Don't be cute. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you, you just need to remember one thing. What's that? Stop. Just like Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham when they're sniping back and forth over targets. The Freddie Kitchens, stop. Because you know what? Trains can't. Right. I see you guys at the 17th Street Station in Santa Monica jumping over the tracks and making my son want to do it. It's not worth it. Bad example, buddy. Mm. That is a terrible example. They need a stern talk. I'm there every weekend. From Dr. Money. Thousands of tons. Dr. Rainmaker. 
All right. Let's now dive back into it. Let's go around the other half of the AFC, starting Patrick Claibon with the, yes, AFC South. I'm all fired up about these Tennessee Titans. All right. Um, Starting right off with that first pick, Jeffrey Simmons. It it tells me something about John Robinson and Amy Adams Strunk and what this team and how this franchise is going to position itself. They're playing the long game because Simmons might not be able to play in 2019. Um, this is a guy that might not even get on the field until 2020. He injures himself at the at the start of offseason uh, preparation, getting ready for the draft. He tears his ACL, um, and they they're committed to the future. That's that's only something you can do if you feel confident in your ability to still have your job. Um, so they they're able to get AJ Brown. They've got an opportunity to get Amani Hooker, a guy who a lot of people felt could have gone higher. They get him in the fourth round a defensive back out of Iowa. Um, So they have value in this draft, and people think, oh, you know, the same old Titans. Well, it's hard to win. It's hard to win football games. They've been in contention late in years, and and there's just that little something. And Jeffrey Simmons might be that guy. Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks said five years down the road, if somebody says that Jeffrey Simmons was the best player in the 2019 draft, they would not be surprised. Mm. I think that they're Mm. committed to the long game in Tennessee. Well, they won five games over a course of two seasons, in 14 and 15. And they've won nine per season since. But you look at the defense and you don't see other than Darrell Casey guys that make a huge difference. So Simmons hopefully can be that for them, even if it's not this year. When I look at that offense, like you said, they went nine and seven. And out of necessity, they leaned really heavily on Derrick Henry down the stretch. They just didn't have the firepower in their passing game. And since the end of last season, you welcome back Delaney Walker, who's a Pro Bowl tight end and missed virtually the entire season. You add an excellent slot receiver in Adam Humphreys, and then you add A.J. Brown in the second round as a playmaker. And this, Mariota's got probably more weapons than he's ever had. I think there's no doubt about that. We've talked about it a lot. T-minus one minute. uh, Mariota, how important the season is for him. With Ryan Tannehill right behind him. I wonder... If Mariota could uh, can afford a slow start in September, how long would his leash be if the if Tennessee got off to a slow start on offense? I can't imagine him getting benched while healthy, almost at all. Maybe until December, you know, unless things really went out off the tracks. But that that's just me because I just don't think they'll see Tannehill as like some savior. And nobody does. It's not like there's going to be some massive fan clamoring for Ryan Tannehill anywhere. To me, it's more just a smart plan for the eventuality of Mariota missing a game, which seems to happen at least, you know, once a season. Well, it sinks It sinks their playoff chances when he misses a game or two because they traditionally had some of the worst backup quarterback play in the league. Now, to, he might be playing for a new contract, though. I'm not totally sure he'll be on this team next year. This is the final year of his contract. He's going to try extra hard now. That's on your radar. We we are overdue for some more trash takes, with Patrick Claibon. Uh, all right, let's move on to Chris Wessling and his favorite football team. I know you're gonna. This sounds like homerism, and it sounds like I'm biased. But when you look at the rosters in the NFL, I can point to the Colts as the only one where I can say I don't see a weakness. And not only do I not not see a weakness, I don't see an important player who's not in his prime. Hmm. They don't have a single player in decline. Marcus Hunt is their oldest starter, and he's coming off a career year in which he flashed dominance for games at a time. That's an interesting way to put it. Jabal Sheard, you know, but you're right. It's, it's Jabal Sheard also coming off one of the best seasons of his career. It's, uh, it's really interesting to me that you're now not only just embracing being a Colts fan, you're like, getting ahead of us accusing you of homerism. Like, you're from well, Indianapolis, you wear the hat. I thought you're it was ridiculous totally that in. 10 minutes ago you called the Steelers a powerhouse team and did not name the Colts as an AFC powerhouse when the Colts have a much better roster now. Mm. Mm. Just You're in there. Just Colts pride flowing from Chris <laughs> Wesley right now. Wes is like pulling up the banner like wild card winner 2018. I mean, yeah. Tell me what's wrong with the roster. You were feeling different definitely when they scored three points in Kansas City or whatever. And since then they've added, was. let's see, Justin Houston, Devin Funches, about six incredible athletes on defense. Um, they're, they're a force to be reckoned with. Well, that's the thing about having great success in your first season 
is it's so hard to get continuity in the NFL that that's like instant continuity. You have the same coaching staff, you have almost all the same players, and that's like a great window to go make some noise before anything gets broken up. Our boy uh, Evan Silva, the big fish over at Roto World, handed out one A grade um, for the draft in the AFC, and it was to our friend Chris Ballard. Silva's a tough grader. What's your favorite type of frog? (laughs) And you know what? That That tells you two things. One, that somebody as plugged in, as knowledgeable as Evan, uh, saw the moves that Ballard made, you know, moving up and down the board, uh, maximizing uh, his assets and, and, and pulling in a great haul, including Rocky Sin come to Las Vegas, the second round pick at 34. And also how Ballard's stock is just so high. People give this guy the benefit yeah. of the doubt because of what he was able to do last year. Especially the way that those draft picks played out. And so a lot of the guys, you, you look down the list, and it's like, oh, well, Rocky Sin, I'd like him somewhere else. But Chris Ballard likes him. Right. right. Oh, well, yeah, this is great. This is a great draft. So there's plenty of reason. So, Wes, a team with no and it's way too early to do predict- predictions for the season and all that. But a team with no discernible flaws, mm. you have to be looking at them, even in a very competitive AFC South. You see them as a heavy favorite to win that division, right? I absolutely do. I think the Texans are just treading water and the Colts are getting a lot better. Well, and I, I think the Titans got better than the Texans got. It's a really good division. I think they really hope the second round pick Seven, Benagu works six, out because they don't have five, edge rushers. I mean, four, Justin Houston three, should help there, too. They, two, they could add a running back, too, one. a veteran running back. Spencer Ware oh, added today. Bros, you like mm. sports? Real original. Next. <laughs> LaShawn McCoy, perhaps, Wes? That would, would that hurt you? That no, would hurt I would you. not root for the Colts if LaShawn McCoy was wow. on the team. All right, well, just... That is a human happens. being I cannot root for. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, finished last place in the AFC South last year. Uh, but everything is looking great now for the Jags. The, the Raiders made that surprise move at four, um, uh, taking um, Clee... Cle- Cleveland Farrell. Cleveland Farrell. <laughs> keep forgetting the name. The Giants, of course, take Jones. So then the Jags get this absolute stud. Uh, Josh Allen falls into their laps uh, at six. They grab him. It's been it was another positive in what's been a big season of positives, offseason of positives for Jacksonville. Everything about this team, Wes, and this is mm. where we need to talk about this. To me, everything about this Jaguars team screams big bounce back season. Allen joins the defense loaded with talent. Nick Foles should stabilize things behind center. The offensive line is very good. And uh, so the running back, maybe there's some things to work out there. I think I you, you and I do not see eye to eye on their offensive line, okay. which but, I think is easily the worst. I don't maybe not easily the worst because of the Texans, but it's one of the worst in the AFC. OK, barring injury or some hmm. type of internal discord or Wes's viewpoint on the offensive line is correct. Uh, this team to me screams 11 and five and a hard out in January and an absolute um, a competitor wow. for that AFC South title. I think the offensive line is an issue, and I think playmakers in the passing game is an issue. They had some of the worst wide receiver play in the NFL last year. Show me the tight end who's going to make a play on this team. They, yeah, they need a little juice, and you're counting on Foles and Filippo to generate it, and that's the most important part of any team to me is their passing game. And so that's the question. I'm not worried about the offensive. Like Kim Robinson's a great left tackle. He no, got, he's he, not. He got hurt. Um, I, where is this Linder. great left tackle coming from? He's a he's one of the 10 or 11 best. I no. know that doesn't have many no. good left tackles. He's solid. Juwan Taylor at 35 no. overall from Florida. That's another guy you can – Plug and play. I, I, I'm worried. I'm a little worried about their. It's some. Someone's going to be a huge disappointment in this division. Last year was the Jets because they're all. They all have a lot of reason to believe they're playoff teams. Cam Cam had a solid rookie year. He struggled in the playoffs. He had that shoulder injury. Uh, James Harrison was giving him all kinds of work uh, in the Patriots game. Um, but there was a noticeable drop off when Cam absolutely last yes. year. And so now they they add Jaywan Taylor. A lot of people thought he was the best tackle in the draft. Um, they're able to get him at 35 overall. True, and rookie tackles almost always struggle before and, they turn it he, around. Yeah, but he doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to play on the left. Cam can can handle that. He can start out on the right. Others, uh, you know, reason to feel better about the line than last year. Fournette is such a big, big factor because. You know, you take a guy that high, you think he's going to give you a huge advantage. And he was not even league average. You know, he was below average as a starter. So it's like, what Leonard Fournette are you getting? Normally, I'm not that concerned about the running back situation. Figure like the the team around it's more important. But in this case, like he's such a wild card. Absolutely. 
three. See, you're trending everything two, negative one. for the Jags and everything positive for the Colts. It's probably a mix for both. No, I'm not. The Jaguars have a very strong defense, and I like the quarterback. I just don't. I mean, like Greg said, Fournette's a question mark. What What do you like at wide receiver, tight end, and offensive line on this team? Greg I had answers for everything you just said, but we're out of time. Sorry, Wes. Moving on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no. East. Excuse me. My mistake. What a fool. <laughs> the Houston Texans. You know, I, I just said that one one or two of these teams are going to have to be a letdown. It's a tough, tough division, tough out of division schedule. Could it be the Texans? The, my biggest concern is just how important Titus Howard and Max Sharping, their two first picks in this draft, are to this team. So the, this is just a team that needs their first two picks, both on the offensive line. Howard will play you know, one of the tackle spots, Sharping the guard. They need to come in and solidify it. And I don't have a ton of faith in that just because the coaching has proven to not be able to coach the offensive line five years running. So you're counting on rookies and you're counting on guys like Will Fuller to stay healthy and Lamar Miller. And and there's just a lot of questions where if something doesn't go right, right at the top, then it gets ugly fast. This seems to be the popular pick. If when you are saying who's going to be the disappointment, people seem to be pointing at the Texans as that team, um, they've been fairly consistent in the Bill O'Brien uh, uh, era. Of, they've been really consistent. Of really, they had one bad year. Yeah, of kind of playing up to their potential or near their potential. So it would be a break from how they have been under this current regime. He, he has four in five seasons. He's had a winning record four times, and they're coming off an 11-win season. So I don't blame them for you got you have Deshaun Watson. You're going to think that you're in the mix as a big-time contender. Well, I think... When you have Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Jadevian Clowney, those guys can carry the team. If they get hot, they can carry the team for, for weeks at a time. So I don't write them off just because I think no. the Colts got better. I just think the Texans are about what they were last year, and it might not be good enough in an improved division. And we've seen them hurt uh, so many times that I, I think that aids in the perception that they're thin. And it's like, oh, they're always one injury away from going to the tank, whether it's fuller to, to an extent, Kiki Kuti going down. Mm -hmm. Right. Really hurt the offense last well, year. Well, they are thin at the skill positions. You know, they have Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins. And then after that, Fuller's the third best skill position player. And he's hurt he a lot. Great and then they're four, who's their fourth? A lot of teams right now, yeah, I guess it's Lamar Miller, but it, a lot of teams right now have four or five, six different kind of weapons. They don't really have that sort of depth. And looking at the tackle, uh, they take Howard out of Alabama State early um, and people see him as a project tackle. What if they don't see him as a project tackle? Right. Well, I don't if think they, they have, do. If they have a plan in place for him, he's not going to do a whole lot out of his outside. The of perception his was that Howie Rosen banged him by trading right, right in front of him and, and taking um, Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard. So Titus, and he's from a small school, maybe not the same level of prospect, but maybe he's a stud. Yeah. If he's Nine, backing up Chantrell Henderson, seven, they're going to be disappointed. Six. Five. Yeah, that's if fair. Eric Matt Khalil is starting Three. week one, that might be, be a disappointment. That's a disappointment. Just in general. Take care of that quarterback. He's special. Almost a little bit forgotten how special he is with all this emergence of Absolutely. young quarterbacks. Sure. All right. Last division in the AFC. Patrick Claibon, get us going with the hometown Chargers. All right. I'm going to paint a picture for you guys. Paint it. A weathered Phillip Rivers sits on the field months <laughs> after a loss in Gillette Stadium. The eventual Super Bowl champions already celebrating yet again as he watched from the field. Thinking of his actual vengeance plan, an army of his own children <laughs> set about on the destruction of all of New England. He's in the Sessler chair. Waiting for one button, his signal. He'd soldered it onto his helmet communicator months ago. He could usher in a new age, an age where the chaos was replaced with order. Injustice purged in the pursuit of honor. A ledger of failure wiped clean in a sweeping success. But as he reaches for the button, mm. a hand reaches down to him. Oh, no. It's Tom Telesco standing there with Thomas Davis and Nasir Adderley. He says, one more job, Phil. One more ride. And that's what this is for the 2019 mm. Chargers. One more ride. Interesting. Let's do it. So there's, you believe, and that was beautiful, by the way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have to give you a round of applause there. Um, you believe there is an urgency in that building. And I feel like urgency would be something Patrick Claibon is not big on. The idea of this team knows this is the time. That can end up a trash take. But is <laughs> no. there an urgency around the, the Rivers-led Chargers at this stage? I, I feel through the acquisitions and the guys assembled on the team um, that this, this is the shot. 
This Nate. is a legitimate shot. I believe. I think everybody has seen what this team can do. There's no reason not to believe. And what's the future? It doesn't matter what the future is. The future is now. Well, the, their O line was their job. their biggest problem down the stretch last year, and they really didn't address that at all. They took a third round pick. Trey Pipkins didn't do much in free agency, and so that's my fear. But to what I was saying earlier about continuity, it's hard to keep teams together. And you're right. There's a lot of talent on this team, and this feels like last year and this year is their prime time to like get it done before all these contracts come up or Rivers gets too old or Bosa gets, you know, whatever it, it is, there's a lot going on. To that same point that the Chargers are bringing back a, a, a badass nucleus. 12-win team. Uh, 12-win team. And then you look at the other superpowers. The Chiefs are going through a lot of stuff, and we're going to get to them in a, in a minute. Um, the the Patriots, obviously, they're, they're trying to figure some things out. The Steelers, the window is there. The Colts, obviously, Wes, are on the rise. But I'm saying the window seems Chargers to be there. Chargers know all about the Colts, believe me. Yeah, the, the, the window is there for this, this Charger team. There's no doubt about it. Well, I think the defense got quite a bit better in the offseason. The offense is questionable. They do get Hunter Henry back, who was having a very promising start to his career before he missed last season. Then they also lost Tyrell Williams. Maybe that's a that's a push. But I agree with Greg. The right side of this offensive line is the issue, and it was a major issue down the stretch last year when they went in the tank. And, and circling back to the Rivers children, I, I guess just as a representative, someone that grew up in New England, I say bring nine. it. Eight, you know, seven, wait, you got none of them are over 18. Five, Most of them are under four, 10 years three, old. We'll take you on, Rivers Children. One. Greg, those are the children you know about. Bring it. <laughs> Famous last Please. words by a man about to be overrun by a bunch of uh, elementary school children. <laughs> Wes, move us into Denver. John Elway was up against it. He's been up against it the last two years where... It looked like he had to nail the last two rookie classes in order to avoid a full-scale rebuild, mm -hmm. reconstruction. And after the 2018 draft class was one of the most impressive in the NFL, and this one looks to be pretty promising as well, I think he now has a chance to pull it off, like mm. driving a tractor through a needle. I think he might have done it. <laughs> it all depends on Locke and Flacco, but the, the roster looks much better now to me than it did a couple of years ago. Hmm. How about on defense? That's what I'm saying. The defense isn't an issue at all. The only thing that needed to be reconstructed was the offense. The offensive line looks better to me. You picked up Juwan James and um, the center guard they got in the second round, Reisner, I think. Uh, to me, that looks much better. Hopefully he's able to navigate Chris Harris's desires to right. paid um, to the level of his ability. Um, because if, if he's able to be back um, potentially long-term, because he's been one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, not getting paid like it. Uh, for several years, that's that's that'd be my only concern. That's uh, a, it's defense. a it's a great point because we haven't really talked about Chris Harris's trade request. They sounded like they wanted to trade him. I mean, it's very rare that John Elway that a GM is talking on the podium about how he's looking for offers and he didn't really get many calls this or that. They sounded pretty open, and I think it's to their credit that they're not just going to give Chris Harris away. I mean, it'd be crazy to and he's coming off a broken leg, and I think that's probably why teams didn't jump on the chance to go get him. And I mentioned this Saturday, I'll say it again, though, that I really like the lock move, Drew Locke in the second round, um, going up to get him and gives them a little bit of flexibility because maybe Joe Flacco is revitalized in a new, in new surroundings and has a nice year. And, and this is a playoff team, like, probably, if that happens. But if he isn't good or if he gets hurt, which has happened as well in recent years, you now have a, a kid you could turn to and maybe he can play a little bit. So you kind of doubled your chances. You're not boxed in at quarterback. Interesting team, the Broncos. I feel like they have a wide range of outcomes this season. It, it takes the draft, and this is very true of the Broncos in this case, for me to, or at least now that I'm older, like it's the time when I'm first excited. Like, I want to go see this team. Now I'm excited to go see this team next year. Like, the draft is that moment where, okay, the rafters are together. Now I'm, like, starting to get ready to say goodbye to my family and, and <laughs> enjoy the 2019 set. Does, does Joe Flacco light that fire for you? No, it's not really Flacco so much. Although I'm curious. Like, I'm certainly more curious to watch him with Keenum. I'm with Wes. He was playing fairly well at the beginning. I don't think he necessarily is a bum if he's supported. Any other thoughts? I want to know what you guys think the Broncos. Are they going to be a, like, 8-8 eight eight team? Or are they going to be a 10-6 and six team? Six and That's what I mean. I, I could see 10-6. and six. I could see 6-10. and ten. Four, I see too three, tough a division. Two, I see one. a squad that's looking for one. <laughs> I'm giving him eight wins. <laughs> I'm like giving him eight wins. 
Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to the defending um, division champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs survived the loss to Kareem Hunt. They even thrived without Hunt. Hunt. Um, but Tyreek Hill's possible slash probable slash inevitable exit from Kansas City will really test Andy Reid uh, and th- that entire organization. Uh, then again, there's this this other side of it, and and a lot of it starts with Patrick Mahomes, his greatness, and uh, and w- are we just scraping the ceiling how, of how good this guy could be? Uh, and perhaps he turns uh, the Georgia wide receiver, uh, Hardman. Maybe he is instantly a Pro Bowl producer. Maybe that's how good Patrick Mahomes is. Maybe they did a good job in their scouting and bringing in a guy that can make an instant, a plug-and-play Claybon type. Um, the defense has under, undergone a very public makeover. Uh, the offense is shedding playmakers, but I still feel good about the Chiefs. And I and I, I know there are a hundred reasons uh, that you could point to why you should be down on the Chiefs right now. But Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, outside of Belichick and Brady, uh, there isn't another head coach quarterback combination I trust more to see things through um, rocky times and uncertainty. And that's why I still think the Chiefs should be very much viewed as a powerhouse with Super Bowl winning potential. Hmm. I. I agree. I mean, and I would take in terms of schematic advantage and quarterback talent, there's no one bet. I'd take Reed and Mahomes over anyone. I mean, Reed, it's just so clear, has provided a game plan advantage against his opponents the last couple of years. And Mahomes, you just listening to him at the owners mean you get the sense Reed feels like he's just starting that process of what he can do. The most important skill position player. The most important non-quarterback in the NFL, according to Sean Payton and Drew Brees last year, was Tyreek Hill. And the spacing he gives this offense, I I have no idea what Miko Hardman's going to be, but Tyreek Hill, is, is if he's not playing, that's a devastating loss for them. And as far as an offense and being explosive, that was kind of the pinnacle, right? Like, it's it's tough to think that they would be better than that in any capacity, especially if, if Tyreek Hill's not there. Um, but if they're anywhere close and the defense is better, then they're a, a contender. And so that's that's the question. The defensive rebuild is going to have to take, and it, it doesn't have to make. They don't have to be a top ten defense, but they have to be a middle of the road offense. And then it's up to Reed and Mahomes and the rest of the coaching staff and who's there now uh, to make it work on offense. I just, what, I guess, what I'm saying is, it's one of those popular, buzzy subplots of every offseason. This one, to me, one of them is, oh, the Chiefs are in trouble now. And I get it. And Wes is absolutely right how important Tyreek Hill is. I just think this team is going to figure it out. It might take some time, but I, I just trust them, too. Well, they need. So panic is not on the menu for me. They need now, Sammy Watkins. They need Sammy Watkins to, to jump up, make a Ten, impact. I kind of like some of the nine, defensive moves they eight, made, the very quiet seven, ones, the Okafor six, and Emmanuel Agba five, and Bashad Breeland, four, just like getting guys three, in there that are okay two, enough for very little one. money. Keenan Allen still <laughs> laughing at the secondary. See how important the scheme is. All right, close it out with the Oakland Raiders. Greg. A lot of times you, you you hear people talk about, okay, this is a big year for Derek Carr. They put a lot of weapons around him. Um, it's the new regime. He's got to prove himself, this and that. How, how about it's a big year for John Gruden? Like I want to see, can John Gruden adapt and be a 2019 difference maker? Because to me, the roster that they have, there shouldn't be any excuses for them to be a bottom-tier offense. Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, maybe it's Hunter Renfro, their fifth-round pick as a slot receiver. That's a lot to ask of a fifth-round pick. But either way, they're deep enough at receiver. They're deep enough at running back with Josh Jacobs, their first-round pick. Uh, You have a guy in Derek Carr who's Played a lot of games. Now he's in the prime of his career. He's getting paid like it. The offensive linemen that they brought in are highly paid. Trent Brown or highly drafted Colton Miller or like all pro type guys like Rodney Hudson. Gabe Jackson's a very good like you should be a good offense, John Gruden. Like and and I do have questions whether John Gruden is an advantage, is an asset in 2019. I think this year will give us a good view of that. I think this offensive line could be sneaky trash. I, I I worry if I was a Raiders fan, I Say would sneaky or stinky, sneaky, sneaky trash. If I was a Raiders fan, I would be worried about that too. But they certainly have. Are a we lot sure in, Colton Miller can play? No, I mean he struggled last year. Are we sure Denzel Good should be starting at guard? No, I mean that's one spot that is definitely a weakness there. And I think this defense too was not one draft away from being good. They were two or three drafts away from being respectable. Hmm. They've they've put a lot into the drafts on on defense. You know, they get Cleveland Farrell, they get Jonathan Abram, they get Trayvon Mullen. That's three of the top 40 picks 
in the draft on one defense. So, like, they're looking for an instant impact. This is not a one-year rebuild or maybe even a two-year rebuild. The question I guess I have is what would define success for the Oakland Raiders in 2019? Uh, to have an offensive identity would be enough for me, and that might even just be being middle of the pack, minute. but that would be a huge improvement. And I, I think seeing some of these young players come through. How about finding out that Derek Carr is, in fact, a franchise quarterback? That would be a good year for the Raiders. Which would be crazy to, to have somebody be anointed as a franchise quarterback twice right. in their career. Yeah. He needs to be re-anointed. We need to know. And if he if he does not take it to the next level or he regresses, the Raiders are going to make a big play for a quarterback next year. Mm. Uh, so he, that's something to keep an eye on. I was thinking he's he is a candidate for the Dalton scale right now because I don't think you're looking at Derek Carr and I think saying— we made him the Dalton line one year, didn't we? I don't think so. It's it's always been Dalton. No, I one year it was Tana scale got in yes. there one or Alex Smith. <laughs> it's always been you, Andy. <laughs> but Dalton is the one and true hero. Um, I will mention here because he's a man Nine, whose opinion we respect. Seven, Move the sticks said six, during the draft telecast five, that he sees Hunter Renfro four, as a guy they could plug three, in this year and catch two, seventy balls. One. Wow. Whoa, bros, you like sports? Real original. Next. <laughs> there is no next. So will you please shut the <laughs> f- up? All you guys do is. F- talk and you just ramble on about bull that no one gives a flying about just shut up that's fair why do you need to play a recording why can't you just say that into the mic <laughs> um all right good job great job that is it we just went around the afc in exactly 48 minutes it was a fun show We're close it was a fun show patrick you came in here we plugged you in and you played that's what I am. Wait, he did more than play. He produced. played well. I, I, I would like to think so. You got on base. Know. You went first to third on a single. Scored three runs. Uh, just let me be sixth man of the year. You, you know, swung at like... that first pitch of the game and popped out to second. <laughs> yeah. But then after that, you got on base twice. You made a nice play in the field. Stolen base. Shortage of bodies. They didn't have anybody else to put in. So I had to stay in the lineup. And, you know, I produced later in the game after the initial failure. Your regular Zach Duke. <laughs> What's that, dude? I mean, that just, didn't work for a variety of reasons, some, but yeah, I know, I just, just inflame <laughs> and uh, rage, Wes. It's just some Cincinnati Reds relief pitcher that <laughs> that I, I'm like worried about his safety, Zach Duke's safety, not Wes's. Although Wes is hard to he's heart not going to be on my radar soon because he's going to be cut. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Emily to stay home for Wes and Lakeisha's wedding, which is you know this month now. Um, well, effective tomorrow, and bring Zach Duke as my date <laughs> to Tyvee. Just to see what I happens. Don't, I don't hate the man. He just doesn't belong on the Reds. And then I'll, I'm going to get Zach nice and drunk. He's a middling relief pitcher, former top prospect of a Pirates way back like when. Like 15 years ago. And now he's a hot and cold middle reliever that Wes hates with the heat of a I billion burning sun. He just turned 36. Happy I don't birthday. hate him, but the man is carrying like a, an ERA of about 11, and the league is hitting 360 off of him. He probably belongs in the minor league. This is what I would do. I would Save bring... it for, for uh, the No One Wants a Reds podcast. <laughs> I would bring him to Tybee. Matt Caps was the best man at his wedding. Who? Matt Caps. Matt Caps. You don't I, know Matt Caps. I remember Matt Caps. Oh, he's <laughs> another reliever another major of, of uh, Nationals fame. But um, bring him Probably to Probably a very nice man. I have no ill will towards him. Team you up with him. We get you nice and liquored up after the wedding, I which Zach, I imagine Zach will Duke happen. Zach Duke would like hanging out on And time. then you and Zach Duke team up in, in uh, Cornhole. All right. And, well, then, he, and then you'll change your opinion on the man. I like him. I just when don't like him on, on my team's roster. <laughs> I mean, you got to find a good partner after the, the losing streak that you started on you know, bachelor party. I'm not worried about it. Sessler not even here to defend himself, and you know he won't listen. I don't think he would have defended himself. I think there would have been a, a barb shot back. Which <laughs> <laughs> is my prediction. Um, all right. Patrick, thank you, buddy. Thank you, guys. We'll be back on Thursday with Colleen Wolf. Yes, the great Connie Fox sitting in the Mark chair uh, to go around the NFC. A lot so. of pressure to live up to Patrick's Plug and play. Is Terry Rozier a good enough? Yeah. No, no. Let's do it. He's I'll played well in the playoffs I'll, when I'll, he's been yeah. needed. He, he plays for Boston, though, which sucks. But, yeah. like, you know. He's more like a, a Vinny Microwave Johnson. Just well, instant offense. AC, AC Green. <laughs> like, I think late stage. The microwave is on, like, my six-man Hall of Fame. Yeah. All right. That's enough. This is ridiculous. All right. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Patrick Claybon. Patrick Microwave Claybon, <laughs> the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Thursday.
welcome. <clears throat> I had a lot going on there. Oh, I like. I had that. a burp that was coming up, and I couldn't get rid of it, so it was stuck there. And then the frog, the burp, and the frog. That's a false start. You could survive one or the other. Mm-hmm. Wow. Both at the same time. Is yeah, I would take one. Tough to Thanks. deal with. Got, both? Got in a crossfire there. Can't do both. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.